really don't know because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. And welcome into the We Never Play the Game podcast. Zach Klein, Jeff Schultz. Ready to talk about my Kansas Jayhawks making a trip to Phoenix, Arizona, and the final four. Bill Self once again clutch in the Elite Eight. Or not. <laughs> I mean, it's, I didn't watch a second of the game because I just knew. I just knew. Do you need a moment before we really get going? Do you need a moment here? I kind of do, Jeff. I mean, it's it's sad. I mean, he is 2-7 and seven all time in the Elite Eight. I mean, on nine trips to the Elite Eight, nine chances to go to the Final Four. He's done it twice. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach, right? And Probably. yeah, I mean, the, he's won 13 consecutive, what, S, uh, Big 12 championships in the regular season. 13 straight, but he can't get him to the Final Four. I mean, how does a team look so good and winning by 30 against Purdue? And then uh, just, you know, he lived by the three, died by the three. But what a Final Four it is, Jeffrey. You have Oregon, their first ever trip to the Final Four, taking on North Carolina. Then the Zags, the number one seed out west, taking on everybody's darling right now, Frank Martin and South Carolina. How about Frank Martin, Jeff? He's the first yeah. first, first and only coach basically to take Kansas State to the um, Elite Eight in nearly three decades. And then the first right. coach ever to take South Carolina to the Final Four. Like the Theo Epstein of college basketball coach, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly everybody's everybody's going to want him. Um, no, I think it's great, Zach. And I think I think honestly, this really gets back to what we have said all along. Um, and, and I think I know where we're going with this: is don't tell me that Georgia can't do this. Right. Don't tell me Georgia Tech can't do this. And that doesn't mean you have to do this every year. Um, South Carolina is certainly not going to do this every year, but this is a program. You talk about no basketball tradition. I mean, you, they have tradition, but you have to go back basically three or four decades. I mean, they had not won a tournament game since 19, what, 1973, right? 1973. Zach, they were an independent. That was, this was 19 years before they even joined the SEC in basketball. <laughs> That's amazing. And they had never, they had not been to a turn. That was the last time they won a tournament. They had only been to a tournament, I think, a few times even since then. Um, they never certainly been to a Final Four. They'd never been to an Elite Eight. Um, I have some good friends who are South Carolina fans. All our kids went to South Carolina, and I called her. We were in the car. I called her after the game, and there was an ear-piercing scream on the phone. <laughs> they, they couldn't believe <laughs> um, it's a very cool story, and it's it's a story that can happen in Athens, and it could happen on North Avenue. It did happen on North Avenue. It actually happened in Athens, too, a while ago. Yeah, I mean, if uh, they can get Cinderius Thornwell, why can't Georgia get a guy like that, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, what you do, what you have to do is not just get, you know, one or two great players. You have to build depth. Yeah. And you have to have an upper-class, laden class. Um, but what Frank Martin has done in a really short amount of time. Now, this is only, what, his fifth season? Um, he was winning in the teens for his first few years. He's won 25 games two years in a row there now in South Carolina. Um, they were 12-6 and six of the SEC this year. In the SEC, most of us thought that's not that big a deal. It's not like going 12-6 and six in the ACC. The 
perceived best conference in the land. Um, but they've just put things together in the tournament. Um, their matchups have gone well. Um, I know a lot of people were fretting when they had to play Florida, but actually playing Florida is good because they were familiar with them. They They're- were con- yeah, their defense was amazing, Jeff. Um, yeah. And give it up. You know, what do you think you like about Frank? Just look at his track record, you know, at South Carolina. Every year, they either tied or improved from the year before. So they were making progress. Um, they have that veteran leadership. They have the player of the year in the SEC. Uh, I, You know, he's all about discipline, loyalty, hard work, defense. I love what the guy stands for. Congratulations to him uh, and all those Gamecock fans out there. And you mentioned the SEC. I mean, what, three of the eight teams were from the SEC. Everybody was talking about the ACC, Jeff, how this was the league. Um, yeah. And obviously um, the SEC stood their ground, did what they had to do. Uh, it's not just a football conference anymore. I mean, congratulations to them and, and what they were able to do. And, uh, you know, that end of that North Carolina-Kentucky game, it could have been another SEC um, squad in that Final Four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina barely got in. I mean, they, they barely, I mean, they won. They beat Kentucky, which is, of course, if we all thought one SEC team was going to get it in the Final Four, it would have been Kentucky. It would not have been South Carolina. You would have named, named a few teams before you got to South Carolina. But, um, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, Frank Martin has done, has done a great job. And, I, you know, I still don't know that this means necessarily that the SEC is a better conference than the ACC. Sure. I don't think you completely, dis- you know. So does that help? It. Does it help Fox's case uh, or hurt? Oh, it? well, it, it it helps. Okay, it, it it helps and hurts in this way. It helps from the standpoint of nobody now. When any when when anybody now says, okay, well, you only win, you know, eight and ten or nine and nine or 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 twelve and six or whatever it is in the SEC, no one's going to say, well, that's the SEC, because now he can come back and say. We got three teams in the final eight. Right. Um, however, it hurts because for the same way it hurt Mark Rick, the football coach, when every other team or, or so many coaches in the SEC or programs in the SEC started winning national championships. So you can say now you play in the greatest conference in the land. But when everybody else is winning a championship except you um, or getting to a certain level like the final four winning conference, conference tournament or tournament games except you there's more pressure there's absolutely more pressure on mark Fox going into next season now than there was before not that there wasn't any before i just think this ratchet ratchet ratchets hit up a little bit what about passner i mean it's so funny talking to him jeff the last week because he still says you know hey man we're in the rebuilding mode you know we have a long way to go this is a team that's going to be dangerous in future years but man we still got a lot of things to take care of they're, they're two wins away from winning the nit championship uh yes it's the nit but i mean come on i mean he is uh he is just downplaying everything but you got to give obviously uh what he has done in his first year acc coach of the year um so does that put more pressure on him or, or is he still you know buying some time and this is all gravy whatever he was able to do this season i think the only thing i don't think that he's really affected by this tournament in terms of you know pressure on him i think the only i think the only pressure um that he is creating is by winning 20 plus games this season that becomes the bar and you know i i mentioned this in a column that ran in sunday's ajc um on 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 Passner and, and also when, when I brought Brian Gregory into it too, is you have to remember when Paul Johnson won 20 games in his first two seasons as football coach at Georgia Tech, 
suddenly, and he was a hero. I mean, they could have put a statue on campus for him. Suddenly, every Georgia Tech football fan was comparing the next three or four years to those first two years. And and the truth is, you're not going to win nine and 11 games every other year or every year at Georgia Tech, as he did in his first two years. Josh Passon would be the first to tell you that, you know, while this has been a great season, obviously great when weighted against expectations, you can't just assume this is going to happen every year. And so if they win 20, 21, 22 games this year, whatever it is they end up with, you can't just assume they're going to win 20 to 22 or more next year. Um, that is a program, and much like Georgia's program, and Brian Gregory actually talked about this when I spoke to him on the phone, that is still going to survive and thrive based on what we talked about, which was upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. And to get to get upperclass-laden teams – you have to you have to recruit to depth, and they don't have that recruiting depth yet. And Josh Passner knows that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, to his credit, um, and and what is in his favor next year is they only lose a couple of guys off this year's team. Right. And and they are getting some great experience this year. A couple of the guys this year who will be coming back next year also were there last year when the team won twenty one games. So that does bode well for next season for Josh Passner and Georgia Tech. However. They still have to recruit. He still has to recruit. They still have to get players to recruit to depth. And that ultimately will decide how successful he is down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, for, the, for that type of program, you're not going to get the one and dones that Kentucky, no. Carolina, Kansas will, that has. But, you know, right. Josh Jackson, uh, Kansas, he's one and done. He, he, he's gone. Josh Akogi, uh, the freshman guard, he is coming back for Georgia Tech. Yeah. And, I, you know, we love what we saw with him from this year. Uh, Josh Heath, obviously he's gone. Quentin Stevens is gone. But Ben Lammers, who was one of the, um, you know, most improved in the ACC this year, a big center, a defensive player there. He's coming back. Yeah, they had a nice little squad, but you're, if they can get you know a, a key guy who can make some noise, you know, I, I think the future is bright right there. They got some this, that, that young nucleus, and Josh is going to hit the recruiting uh, pastor. I'm talking about is going to hit the uh, the trails hard, and uh, you know this just builds on that. You know, back to back, you know, second round plus in the NIT. Uh, so he he's got some time to uh, to work with, but uh, you know the time is now. And as you said, great analogy with the Paul Johnson thing. You know, back. Back to back 21 seasons. All right. You know, we just set a home record 17 plus wins at the McCamish Pavilion. This is the standard right now. I'm buying my kids donuts. If we get to the <laughs> tournament, I'm going to take care of you guys. So, you know, he's creating the buzz. Um, great to see from Tech. Uh, on the other hand, little or no buzz at the building about two miles away, Phillips Arena. Oh, God. And yeah. it's, the Hawks have lost now seven straight games. They lose to the lowly Nets on Sunday by 15 points. Brooklyn. Right has won just 16 games. They are 16 and 57 and they beat the Hawks by 15. Now, Jeff, the Hawks were without three starters, right? No Millsap, no uh, Bazemore, and no Cephalosha. Is that a good excuse or are they just a bad team at, you know, just downhill the rest of the year? Yes. The latter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you take three starters or two starters and a guy who shouldn't be starting Cephalosha out of the lineup. Um, you're obviously a weakened team, don't get me wrong, but you're still playing Brooklyn um, and you're still playing at home and you're playing at a time when you should be desperate and and there's only so many games left on the schedule that you say, okay, that's a win. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, they got another one coming up against Philadelphia. But now I think other teams are saying, oh, we can win that game. It's the Hawks. 
Uh, they're they're now. I mean, after the Brooklyn game, they were just a tick over 500. They are still, as we talked about it a few weeks ago, I think, still in danger of not making the playoffs. It could happen. Um, and and there are some serious issues, Zach. And and I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen or not. But let me just say this: If I'm the agent representing Paul Millsap, I am handcuffing him to a bedpost. Right. There's uh, yeah. You know because, what? If I'm the Hawks, Jeff, I handcuff him to that bedpost as well and say, listen, you know, stay away. We're going to miss the playoffs. Maybe we get the luckiest of all luck ping pong balls to go our way and we get a top three pick. You come back. We got a core guy, you know, group coming back. We can make something and sell him on that. But because, you know, you're, you're two games out of missing the playoffs right now, as you said, in, in that fifth spot. But you can end up anywhere five, six, seven, eight or out. Why not just get out, get rid of, uh, you know, um, Paul in terms of the rest of the season, shut him down, shut it down, get lucky and move on. Give some hope because who wants to be six, seven, eight seed? Screw that. That's annoying. I, I mean, I agree with you. I've never been a proponent of throwing games or anything like that. And, and but I, I certainly understand that mindset. Um, really what I'm addressing is, is Paul Millsap's future. And, and this will basically be the last contract of his career. Uh, they negotiate, or certainly the last, I mean, anything that comes after this would be like a one year deal because of his age, probably one or two years. This is his last real chance to make money. He's going to opt out of his deal with the Hawks. This is, and, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, whether he re-signs with them or not, why would you do anything to, to basically endanger your health and endanger that marketability and, and going into your last real unrestricted free agency season of, of your career for a team that, like we just said, A, may miss the playoffs, or B, even if they make the playoffs, is going to be one and done. I mean, they'll end up playing Cleveland, Boston, Washington, Toronto, whoever it would be, one of those top four seeds. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been no nothing in the last their performance the last two weeks of giving you any indication, even if they are healthy, they're an upset. One of those three teams you just mentioned. Right. And so now you're talking about a, a guy who's who's in his 30s, who's got a knee injury, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's going into unrestricted free agency. I, I now Paul is a great guy. He's a team guy. He's not the kind of guy that you would just say, oh, my back. Oh, my elbow. Oh, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Because there are a lot of those guys out there. Paul is not one of those guys. I just don't know, though, why you would do it. I mean, I, I don't I mean, I don't get it. It's, it's and and this team, uh, you know, it's it's going over things we've talked about before. Uh, it has to be rebuilt. Uh, it, it has to be blown up to some degree. Um, there are serious issues. Um, there's serious questions about how they're going to go about doing that, because we don't know who's going to go about doing that. Um this is not the way, though, that that coach slash, you know, de facto GM slash club president Mike Boonholzer hmm. wanted to finish this season. Um, and before he goes into that meeting room with Tony Ressler and Grant Hill and any other executives in the Hawks front office so so he can make his pitch saying, see, we're headed in the right direction. Um, let me continue with my plan to rebuild this team. Nine games, this- yeah. They got nine games left in the regular season. Uh, one of those nine is against the worst team in the league in Brooklyn. 
who they just lost to. Uh, another one of those games is to a team with the second, tied for the second worst record in the NBA in the Philadelphia 76ers. They also play in the West, the Phoenix Suns, who have the second worst record in the West. They are 30 games below 500 at 22 and 52. And the other six games mixed in there, you have Chicago, Boston, Cleveland twice, Charlotte, and Indiana. So, yeah, I mean, there's some winnable games. Most of those games out of those nine are losable games. Um, but so there you are. That's five, six, seven, or miss the playoffs. I shut Millsap down. I agree with you. Uh, Braves, one week left. And when I was down there, beginning of spring training, it was rainbows. It was unicorns. It's, we're going to turn the page. We love what we see. Bartolo's the real deal. R.A. Dickey's nasty. That outfield of Marquecas and Inciarte and Kemp, healthy, fit, ready to go. Dansby and Freddie. Brandon Phillips, man, we can contend. We can compete. We are ready for 2017 and a move into SunTrust. Uh, yeah, final week left in spring training, and they are 7-21. and 21. Is, is reality starting to slap you on the head a little bit? A I little know, bit. Sometimes you're a little bit of a sucker, I got to say. I do drink the, I do, I do drink the Kool-Aid. I do. I, I drink you, it. You guzzle. I do. You guzzle. <laughs> I I, I I'm, it's, I'm, in low, I'm like, I'm mad at myself. Like, like, why did I believe that? Why did I think that, you know, why did they talk me into it? You know, I, I thought their defense would be better. I thought their hitting would be a little bit better. And again, we talked about, you know, the nervousness of having two-fifths of your starting rotation be north of 42 years old. Yeah, I, yeah. I got that. But, you know, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm Zach. I'm president of the, you know, buying into something I shouldn't be buying in club. You know what? And notwithstanding that that your Kansas Jayhawks lost, let's face <laughs> it, I, I think the Cubs won the World Series. Northwestern got into the tournament and won a game. I think you just got a little cocky. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You to- I, yeah, you know what? Here's the thing, Schultz. Though my Cubbies, though they're they're second to worst um, record wise in the Cactus League. I think they'll be okay. So maybe that's the glimmer of hope. Hey, look at the Cubs. They're eleven and fifteen in spring training. The Braves, man, think- don't worry about it. I think, I think the Cubs still look good on paper, yes. <laughs> How worried are you? Um, I mean, my position really hasn't changed. I, I still think their lineup is going to be okay. Um, I kind of like their lineup, actually. I don't necessarily think Kemp is going to equal what he did down the stretch last year, but I still think their lineup is going to be okay. I mean, I've, I've always liked NCR Day. Um, I, I've obviously always loved Freeman. Um, uh, I think Dansby Swanson is going to be really good. I don't know if he's again going to be a 280 hitter, but I think he's going to be a really, really good player. I mean, there are guys on the team I like. Um, so I think their lineup is going to be okay, but it gets back to starting pitching. Bartolo Colon, I know it's spring training. <laughs> he's got a 9.2 ERA in spring training. What was the ERA? Okay? What's it? 9.20. 9.20. That is. Now, in R.A. Dickey's defense, he's much better than that. He is 6.00. Wow. Um, okay, there's that's two of your that's two of your starters right there. Yeah. Um, now, Tehran is going to be okay. Tehran's been, looked fine. Um, I think Fulton Awewich is going to be okay. Certainly, as a number five guy, he certainly um, has looked pretty good in the spring. And Jaime Garcia has shown promise. Yeah. But I mean, but you know, you're for a you're four guy about, with Fulty and, and Garcia. You're talking about guys who probably should be in that comfortably in that four to five rotation spots mm-hmm. with the solid top three. And really, after Julio Tehran, 
who really probably should be a two, but he's the ace on this staff, it it's a big step down to the next step. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and <laughs> it's, it really gets back to what we've always talked about. And, and you see, I mean, right up to Sunday, I mean, whatever it is, where are we, a week before the season opens? Yeah. They're still, they're still making bullpen moves. Right. They're still signing guys off waivers. Um, they're still signing guys. They are, you know, they, they're adding guys who they picked up a week ago and they looked at, which is fine. I mean, it's great to always want to be improving. But if you're improving with guys in your bullpen off waivers, I mean, guys who've just been released by another team, what does that tell you about the overall product? So I'm my thought today is the same as my thought going into spring training, Zach, which is I kind of like the lineup. They'll probably be okay defensively, I would think. We'll see. Um, but oh, <laughs> you got to start games and you got to finish games. And, and I just don't see – their lineup is good, but I don't see them winning that many, like 10 to 8 games. Do you? Maybe I'm missing something. I don't no. know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a struggle to get over 500, I think. Um, you know, oh, that's yeah, I, I yeah, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jeff. As we wrap it up, um, final four a week from now. Who do you got cutting down the nets? I still like Kansas. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm. St- <laughs> I'm not even gonna let you answer. I control the buttons. Oh my God! You're bringing the music in. I'm bringing the music in. That means you have five seconds. South Carolina, North Carolina for the championship. I'd like to see that. I, I, I'd like to see that. Um, but you know what? I'm going to give it up for Oregon because I'm a West Coast guy. Nobody, nobody likes West Coast around here. I like what Oregon's done. Um, I, I I love to watch them play. And I'm, I'm, I'm going duck. I'm all about the quack. All about the quack. I'll go North Carolina just because Roy Williams was a Kansas coach. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. They were athletic. They, I've been there a lot, by the way, and has a one of us. <laughs> what did you say? North Carolina, or, or uh, North Carolina, the program. Yeah. You talk about a program that's been there a lot and hasn't won nearly as many as True. think they should. Yeah. Anyway. 20 Final Fours. I, th- I, I North Carolina, that's going to be a great game. North Carolina, Oregon, the winner of that game. But you know what? It, the Zags, man, they just keep on proving people wrong, right? They're so balanced. They're so, uh, you know, just solid. They're just, you know, they're, they're very, very good offensively. They're very, very good defensively. They don't have any first, you know, top five picks, but, uh, you know, Give it up for what uh, they've been able to accomplish, and uh, nobody gave them any credit as a number one seed. But they're there, man. They took care of business. They're in the Final Four, and uh, you know Frank Martin maybe will surprise us one more time. I'd like to see him that death stare in the championship game against uh, North Carolina would be great. Uh, Schultz, you have a great week. Be good, and uh, we'll catch you next week on the uh, We Never Play the Game podcast. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thanks, pal.